millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Achtung Mobile, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to an impromptu edition of Akdung Mill. Joining me um, for this special edition, I suppose you call it, is is my uh, confederate, Mr. Neil Fissler. How are you doing, Neil? Yeah, not too bad, Nick. Not too bad. On a pretty sad day to be a Millwall fan today. Yeah, um, slightly downbeat tone, certainly to to, to start us off with, listeners. Um, my eye was caught uh, by a post that you made, actually, Neil. Um, some sad news. One of my favourite ever Millwall players, and I don't say that lightly, Phil Walker has sadly passed away, um, hero of the mid-70s of the third division promotion season, 75-76. And a really nice bloke, Neil. I had the pleasure to speak to Phil uh, a couple of years ago, I think, now on this show, did an interview with him. And he's a really humble, really lovely bloke to talk to. You know, um, very sad news today. Yeah, mate, when I got in contact with Phil probably about 10 years ago, even more than that, I was helping Chris Bethel uh, find players for Dockers Day and I wanted to find uh, Trevor Lee mm. when we were first planning the Who's Who book to uh, find out what had happened to him and he didn't know, but he was a genuinely lovely guy. I just phoned him up out of the blue introduced myself, said what I was doing, and uh, we got chatting. And there's one thing that struck me. You have a look through social media. He followed me on social media like you. Mm. He probably followed you on social media. And he just struck me as what an accessible guy he was. Uh, yeah, Always happy to engage with people that remembered him, people that took time to remember him. And he seemed humbled that people remembered what he did nearly 50 years ago. Yeah. And uh, it's just unbelievable that that all of a sudden he's gone. And it's, it's the measure of the man of the outpouring of grief, for the want of a better word, that has come from, from Millwall fans of a certain vintage today. You look at... Twitter, uh, Hoff, Facebook, and uh, there's people that my age, your age, 
and they're genuinely upset that this guy has actually died at, and at 67, which is no age at all. No, very young. Um, I mean, I, I, I did a, an interview, I think it was when the um, the lockdown started, we started doing a few old player interviews, and um, I mean, I know you do this kind of thing for a living, Neil, but I, 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 for me, every time I interview a player, I'm always ever so slightly starstruck. But I was especially, especially starstruck with Phil Walker and Trevor Lee, because they were both memorable figures of a very, very memorable season for me personally. It was I started going in 72, as I've said a few times on this show. And it was a fairly tough time to be a Millwall fan in those early 70s years because we were kind of in a decline, period of decline, and we'd fallen into the third division. Um, and the 75 season began um, fairly moderately, in, in truth, in, in playing Division Three football. But then the season turned because we signed these two uh, black players, which still at this time... Um, Still, it was it was it was a slightly unusual thing in football. I mean, this was the nature of the times, and both of them came in from non-league. They'd come in from Epsom and Newell. Um, you, I mean, you wouldn't do this now, Neil. You wouldn't kind of sign two players from the same non-league side and field them Im- immediately. And I remember their both of their first game. I think Phil Walker scored in the uh, the game against Mansfield in early October '75, and it was like this: the season had transformed it's happened a few times in Millwall's history in my time but you know these these players came in from nowhere they were different they played with freedom and and, and, a, and a kind of um I don't know, an energy I suppose uh, Phil was a very skillful midfielder Trevor was um reminded Phil uh, Paul Eiffel reminded me of him a lot in that he had an ability to produce chances and situations out of nothing i think phil was probably a more conventional highly skilled midfielder um but they just changed their season they turned it around and the that season 75 76 and those two players phil walker and trevor lee live in my mind i mean i, I was just saying on a on a whatsapp message before we started recording to someone else that, that it will be a season that I, I will forever remember because it made such an impact. It was the first uh, successful season I'd known as a Millwall fan. And Phil Walker and Trevor, but Phil Walker was an integral part of that of that transformed season. And we got promoted in the end. It was a wonderful, wonderful campaign. Um, and, and, you know, it's just so sad, isn't it? I mean, I, I suppose we, we, you reach an age where your, your heroes start to, you know, you see it in music, film, TV, and, and all sorts of areas. But people that were your heroes when you were young start to to fall away slightly. And, and this is this one does seem to have struck a real chord with a lot of Millwall fans out there. He was he was such a well-loved player. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was a time in Mill's history when we didn't have an awful lot of money. We had no <laughs> money. No, or well, two players from Epsom. <laughs> Millwall didn't have money. We had to spend it well. I think it was Gordon Jago. Was it Gordon Jago? Jago. Jago yeah. signed them, yeah. And they were part of a very successful Epsom and Yule side. I think they got to the FA Vars final. Yeah, yeah uh, they did, yeah. Or we signed them. So there was no money at Millwall, so they, so they had to make signings that they knew were going to make a difference. There was no gambling, was there? It's not like... No, no, no. 
spend a couple of million quid on a player and and he has to be a player that's going to make a difference and and it was like that at the time he he gambled I, I guess bought them in and reaped the rewards of it and you you're right it wasn't a successful time in Millwall's history because we had that near promotion miss in that season that you don't like talking about and that you <laughs> remember. <laughs> And it was was a steady decline. And then Gordon Jago came in this season, arrested that decline. Turned us around. It was was a successful season. We got promoted in the end, 75-76. But it was was an entertaining period. We have these little periods in Mill history, Neil, don't we, where we play great attacking football. We have personality players and... For a brief period, you know, you remember these moments. I'm thinking now of 1988, of course, and the early 2000s, the the, the promotion season, and, and, and there've been others over time. But this was this 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 season 76, I suppose, would have been the 15, 16 at that time, and it was kind of it becomes the reason why you love football because for a brief period, your life is illuminated by some great attacking play, some great um, results. Uh, success, of course, but more than that, really, you're you know you're just seeing players that will live with you for the rest of your days, you know, and you you think across your whole middle life, you know, you can you can name those players in your own head, the ones that really made an impact on you when you were young, and that was Phil Walker for me with with his um, partner Trevor Lee on the wing, and these were great days. Um, 1954 to now 2022, Philip Leonardus Walker. Um, 167 games from 75 to 79, 22 goals. Um, he would go on to play for, for Charlton after he left Mill. We, we, we had to let him go, I think. Um, finances were creeping up on us, Neil, as, as you've said already. <laughs> well, when is that? Never so. And he played briefly for Gillingham, and then he would. Travel the world. He played in Hong Kong. Just reading from your book here, actually Hong Kong, and then uh, Boa Vista in in Portugal. I think he, he made a bit of a life out there. I think he coached out there and lived out there for a while. Um, but a great Millwall player and one that lives long in the memory. Um, there was so, a yeah. goal actually as well. I think that people have, people were talking about a goal against Charlton in '79 earlier on. Yes, yes, I was there um, at the Valley. Um, Mill being Millwall, I mean, this this was in the era listeners, younger listeners might not realise what used to happen, but it was a big, big thing to occupy the home end. So um, the the covered end at Charlton was um, the, the Charlton end, but it, this uh, it was a, a midweek game occupied entirely by Mill fans, um, as 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 is the way of, of, of these things. And there was a breakaway goal. I think we won the game 4-2. It was an entertaining local derby. And I think Phil scored a breakaway goal from midfield, um, scoring at the far end, the open end. It's now the away end, I think, um, away from where we were standing. And it was just one of those big, entertaining, big Millwall moments where everything went right in your life. And... One of your best players scored a brilliant goal at the. They're not not our really our rivals, are they? But it's just it's always great to go to Charlton and win, and that was a wonderful, wonderful night. Yeah, no, they live in our shadow. They always have done. They always do. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there we are. Um, sad news, Phil Walker, RIP. Um, there we there we are. Uh, just, as I say, we've, we've put this show together quite unstru- in a quite an unstructured way, listeners. I just wanted to really pay tribute to, to Phil's legacy. I'll put this show out. There's a great photo I found in one of the um, uh, Daily Mirrors when they first signed Trevor and Phil. There's a great picture of mucking about on the training ground, and I'll stick that out with the with the show when when I post it on social media. Two wonderful, wonderful players. Achtung, Mailball. So yeah, just to move along, Neil, we, we we thought we might run through some of the more um, current Millwall uh, notes on on the on the uh, South London Press website. I was just about to open up with the first story when that comes up, that pops a, 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 a advert for Ukrainian women, and I thought that's not a Millwall, uh, that's not a Millwall story. <laughs> I was trying to try to scroll down swiftly to talk about um, tomorrow's friendly game at Crystal got, Palace. <laughs> yeah, what website did you say that on there? <laughs> I think they tailor it to um, whatever your viewing um, habits are. So I don't know what it's speaking about me, listeners. They have one of those um, personalised adverts on there, so God help me. Um, <laughs> move, moving swiftly along from the Ukrainian women. Um Millwall's new signings all set to get 45 minutes of action against Crystal Palace tomorrow. Now, I've broken the habit of a lifetime. I've broken my fundamental command, which is Nick shall not watch friendly football. And I've actually signed up for the the £5 to watch the stream of it tomorrow on Mill TV. So um, hopefully I'll, we'll get a sight of the, of the new boys in this behind closed doors friendly tomorrow at Crystal Palace. Uh, bit of a workout it'll be as a starting point for the season really when it hopefully um no one will get injured i think that's always my main priority friendly friendly football yeah but i think that's why they're probably only giving them 45 minutes isn't it yeah yeah i'd get injured but let's be honest it's not about the result in pre-season friendlies it's all about the fitness i I see people complaining "Mm, crystal palace behind closed doors but it probably isn't about anything other than getting some 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 meters or yards in the legs, yep. and preparing for the season that starts in what three four weeks? That's about three weeks ish now, isn't it? To the to the first game of the season. You're right. I mean, it's it's like a gym workout, really. I mean, it's it's akin to um, you know just building your fitness in in essence. And obviously, there's a chance to have a look at some of these players. I mean, obviously, uh, we're looking at uh, just to run through them. Charlie Cresswell, the Lou Leeds centre-back who has been giving some great interviews on on the um the recast uh channel um but he does seem like he's a solid solid boy this this kid i mean he's got only going to be here for the season now he's, he's a leeds player but an england under 21 international but he, he, he sounds like he likes to get stuck in that's going to go down a storm with a mill faithful i think yeah uh, a couple of my followers on twitter from up north rugby fans leeds fans yeah and uh one of them said, "Oh, yeah, well, we, yeah, well, he is coming back." I said, "Yeah, well, he'll be coming back as a man. We're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to do something what we did to Harry Kane. We're going to turn him into a man." But I think there was a feeling that Leeds had let, had actually let us have their best defender. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I've seen those comments. Um... I mean, I've, been, I've become intrigued. There's another story during the rounds. Obviously, Cresswell is on on loan for us 
for the season. And I, I, I found the other, uh, I mean, it's a second tier podcast listeners, so maybe clickbait, I don't know. But they've um, they put a story out, Neil, we've agreed to sign another loan from Leeds, Jamie Shackleton. Um, apparently he's got Premier League experience, goal scoring. Yeah, I had that story, Kai Bennett had the story. Uh, Reach. Yeah, I think it was from. Uh, I think it was from from one of these. Uh, yeah, I never believe anything you read from some of these people. Yeah, but I'm not saying Kai, but some of these clickbait. No, but I'm I'm wary of. It. I like the story and I like the sound of the the possibility. And I'm I'm kind of half enjoying, half it's, intrigued by this new love affair with Leeds that we've got. Yeah, but it sounds about true. I think that obviously uh, Cresswell. Old man Richard Creswell mm. played switch, and I think was a teammate of Gary Rowitz at uh, Leicester. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good signing. But we do need what slightly worries me about this one is the fact that it's another central midfielder. I don't know how many central midfielders we actually need, but he can cover right back and. I know we're going to talk about uh, the ludicrously low insult <laughs> from Queen's Park Rangers, but I hope he's not a replacement and that he is somebody who will challenge rather than replace. This is for Danny Mack, listeners. Wonderful story. I mean, I don't know if I hope it's true or not. I partly do believe it. The QPR that allegedly made a £300,000 offer for Danny Mack. Um, I mean, not, that's not three million listeners. There is a missing zero from from that that figure there, three hundred thousand. I mean, if it was a bit like you've gone in for Messi, Lionel Messi, and offered um, you know a twenty five thousand pound plus a you know a, a subscription to the Curry Den or something, you know, it's it's that level of insult, isn't it? Really, that that figure in modern football, mate. It's a Millwall bit, that. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know that was, yeah, well, I know that we were throwing around some ridiculously low bids in January for players, weren't we? That's right. And, uh, I tried it with that Aberdeen player, didn't we? They rejected four million quid lashes, so we offered point <laughs> five million back this year. <laughs> and then, then we're surprised and outraged when we don't we don't get the the name, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know how true that is. I mean, you, you, as you've said already, clickbait accounts dominate social media, so I, I don't know. Um, interesting I story. So, Nick, because it seems to have it seems to have gathered momentum, and I think it was Richard Cowley uh, tweeted that Millwall had turned down a, a second offer. And this one was three hundred thousand. God knows what the first offer was. Hundred and fifty. I mean, linked in with this is that um, Danny Mac is in contract extension talks. The the, the South London Press, London News Online reports. Um, he had, and they, they. I mean, Richard Curley says um, the twenty-three-year-old Lions right back had been linked with QPR. I, I don't know about that, that kind of price level, but um, who, who can say? Um, <laughs> Alting offer, I can't see. Probably, actually, Millwall of old might actually have accepted it, but it's a good. He's a good young player. Allegedly, only has a year left on his contract. It doesn't help when clubs don't release the length of contracts, and they do that because they don't want to alert people to how long people. Yeah. Have been on the yeah. Contract. But what they don't take into the equation is agents are doing it anyway. So you might as well, so you might as well be out in the open and say, 
and say how long the contract is because because allegedly he signed an extension uh, when he came back from St Johnston, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. If I were Danny Mac, if I were had his his talent, he's had a bit of a an important period in his career. I'm just seeing twenty three year old lines right back. So twenty three. He's at he's at a point where you do need to think fairly soon about just how high a level can you know could I play at and he must be thinking that he's got the potential to be a Premier League player um whether so you know it's, it's the Jed Wallace syndrome all over again isn't it? I mean where, where's he best placed to achieve that that level of football is it is it Millwall is is it I can't believe QPR have any better prospects of Premier League football than than we do in truth um no QPR they're one of those clubs they they throw out a lot of money and they spend a lot on wages, but they don't ever seem to get anywhere. They're a pointless, they're one of those pointless little clubs, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they know that we're a small club, but they have ideas of grandeur and they live on the past. I mean, I, 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 I don't blame a player ever. I don't, I didn't blame Jed, I wouldn't blame Danny Mack if he's got his um career aims in mind as to what level he wants to play at. Um, whether he can achieve that or not, who knows? I think he's got he's played internationally, Neil, hasn't he? So you know he must he must think in those terms. Be unambitious not to. Um, QPR doesn't doesn't add up. It doesn't wash for me as as, as a means of getting there. Um, I suppose he's going to be at the moment in the syndrome as to whether Millwall offers offers a good. I mean, uh, the 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 vibe around the club. I mean, I I feel genuinely optimistic, and that's that's. After 51 years of following the Lions, I've allowed myself the, the luxury of optimism. I mean, I wonder whether that permeates through the through the squad at the moment. Yeah, I think that this isn't even a sideways move, is it? It's a kind of... It's a slight down downward level, isn't it? Yeah. Because they're not any better than us. No. I would like to think that the agent's trying to pile on a bit of pressure onto Steve Kavanagh, uh, Olgo, whoever takes care of Millwall's uh, yeah. uh, contract situation these days, uh, uh, talk up this, encourage a couple of offers, and then all of a sudden Millwall will come a little bit closer to what you're to what you're asking. Uh, I think in the plus points, he's a Millwall fan. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it was a Premier League club, you could understand him leaving. But given that he's a Millwall fan, there's no reason to go to QPR. I think everything the club has done this this summer has been geared towards improving how we finished last season. And we only just missed out on the playoffs last year. Yeah. So... It's a strange. It 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 would be a strange move, and a move that wouldn't make sense. I agree. Them. I agree. So hopefully, so hopefully, this has shocked Millwall into a sense of urgency because I think that if he left, all of the good work that Steve Kavanagh, Gary Rabbit, and uh, Aldo have done this summer would probably melt away. And that's not an under-exaggeration. You know what Millwall fans are like. We like mm. our players. Mm. And 
to come on the back of almost, I, I know we discussed this last week, but Lovelace leaving. Yeah. But I think that's, that was a different situation. I think that was uh, the parents being tapped up. Yeah, and, and to a level you can't really do much about Zach Lovelace. I mean, there are limits as to what the club could do there. Um, yeah, but with this time it's within their power. That's unless, of course, Danny Mack or his agent, because agents tell players what to do in football these days, he's not the footballer. Hmm. Uh, the agent says, right, no, unfortunately I get a bigger fee from QPR for moving him. He will double his wages at QPR, so we so we're off. I like yeah. to think that 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 isn't the case, and that uh, that that one day next week there will be one of those uh, reveal videos on slow screen. motion. Yeah, let's hope so. Um... A slow motion reveal video of a uh, of maybe somebody in a Boris Johnson mask <laughs> off the. Jeremy Kyle Upper and putting a uh, thrust in a contract into Danny McNamara's hands and he signs it and <laughs> we can move on from this nonsense. I think that every player's got a price. Yes. And Danny McNamara will have his price, but it's definitely not 300 grand. <laughs> I would say it's not even, I think, I think you could add a zero onto that at least. Well, that's if- what I would have thought. Um, I know, you know, I'm no financial football financial accountant, but I would have thought that would be nearer the mark. I would think that must be the self image that Danny has as well. I mean, who knows? You, in in the end, who knows? But- 5 million or whatever we paid for Fleming. We've got an idea of how much players cost at the moment, don't we? And, well, we are chucking out bids to people, and yeah, well, I know we're chucking out some Millwall bids. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we, we we are playing at a certain level. That's that's. Um, uh, I mean, that in terms of transfer business wise. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at tomorrow's uh, friendly Honeyman uh, Fleming and and Benikafobe. We're getting runouts. These have been good players, uh, and yeah, we, we remains to be seen. I'm saying these are good players. It remains to be seen how the, the season progresses. But uh, you know, the, the ingredients look look good, and for that reason, I, I make you right. I, I do think that we're operating with a slight more, um, slightly more sharp business sense than maybe we've got used in the past with with Millwall. Um, I'm hoping that, as you say, that Danny Max sees it that way and sees that the club have have ambitions to. I think to aim for the top six. I think that's got to be our realistic ambition for the season, and I think that we're we're, we're piecing things together. It's, it's it's quite nice to be able to say it uh, ahead of a season. Um, obviously, we'll see where we stand five o'clock on July the thirtieth after the Stoke home game. That that might um might be a dose of uh, cold salts or cold cold water or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. We are building, and we're building. Slowly, we're not going out and we're not splashing huge amounts of money. We're not signing six or seven, eight, nine players like some clubs are. But we are building something. And I think that it's no longer the Millwall mentality, well, we're just going to survive in this division. That we've actually woken up and we're thinking, yeah, that's finishing the top six. Let's aim for the top six. And... 
and we will be there or thereabouts this season. I think that people that I think every time that that there's a piece of bad news at Millwall, the old Millwall mentality of the fans, mm. oh, no ambition and all of that. But I think I think this summer has proved one thing that there's a lot of ambition at the club, certainly from Gary Rabbit, certainly from from John Berylson. Agreed. Yeah. Done another fantastic job. And it always makes me laugh that they talk about the fantastic owners in football and John Berylson doesn't even merit a mention on some of these podcasts. You listen to the price of football and they go on about what a great owner Andy Holt is at Accrington and well, he's quite visible. He he, he posts a lot. He he he's, he puts a, a personality out there. Um, I I I think I think as ever. I mean, listeners won't need us to say it, Neil. But we're only on the radar for one thing, really, aren't we? Um, good news and good management and good investment. And Millwall is not newsworthy. <laughs> it's only ever the the uh, the dark side they want from our club. Um, uh, they only look for the. Well, for the controversy, but uh, but we know what a great chairman we've got, and absolutely, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to think that this season some of our crowds are embarrassing the mm. uh, the numbers, and it would just be good to see people turn out, and, turn out. Yeah, I agree. Or because. <laughs> We can't survive on the crowds that we get. No, 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 we can't. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, obviously the aim is to get into the top six, which gives us a shot at the big time, and that 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 may change would change our financial situation. Um, Gary Rowett has signed a new contract, which is quite an interesting move because I think there's been, um, you know, some of the some of the, uh, the, the what should we call them the, the Cassandras? Are they out there that that always want bad news to come about and say I, I should. Told you so. Um, I mean, he signed. I, th- I think that's a big move for the club. He, he he's he, at our level. He's probably. I mean, we've, I think you've said it in the past. Now, he's, he's the, probably the best manager we're going to get at our level, given our, our financial circumstances. And he's to to consistently achieve top tenish finishes for the for the Lions in in the championship is no mean achievement. No, I think that. He, unfortunately for him, he took over from an icon, a godlike figure in Neil Harris, and he'll always have that shadow hanging over him. Uh, I have been critical of him. I think we've all been critical of him. I think that we like our football played one way down at Millwall. We like attacking 4 4 We can't quite get our heads around some of the more... The more modern styles. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, I was going to call it negative <laughs> five, five back at home football, but he has been pretty good for this club, and I think we've probably been quite good for him. I think his reputation had been battered by a number of different moves around the country. Yeah. And he's come down here and... Okay, I don't understand what he says half the time. He speaks in this... <laughs> sports sports gibberish type of yeah, words, that that's a bullshit that <laughs> but he seems like he's quite a engaging kind of person. I've never met him. No, I've but, never met him. No. 
but but he comes across with a bit of personality in interviews and he does pop up on Sky every now and again. I think I've seen him on the Stocker Saturday when we haven't been playing and things like that. So, and he's, he seems to be slowly winning a lot of people around. And the best way to do that is to win games. And I think that run last season has done him a lot of good. Of course, if we don't win the first three games this season, we might be uh, erecting the uh, proverbial gallows in the yeah be, in the car park. Yeah, H, um, yeah. Well, H will be going into his normal meltdown, won't he? And uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just one last story before we we close. I think now. I mean, just intriguing. I mean, Huddersfield Town have signed Connor Mahoney. He's found a home. I think it's quite a good move for Connor to. Get to Huddersfield. I, I, I mean, he's, he's a player that's not really featured at the Den, despite, in my opinion, I'm interested to know if you agree, evident talent. It, it, the application of that talent seems to be a problem for him. Um, I, I, I was thinking if he, you know, it, he'll find a move, but maybe downwards. But to get to Huddersfield is. It, <laughs> It's a good move for him, although they've then gone and sacked the manager that made the signing the next day. So I don't know what that says about the, the club's future next season. Mate, you have a look on Twitter. He looked absolutely chuffed to be there, didn't he? Seen anybody more miserable in the picture? Yeah, well, maybe, well, he hadn't ever been to Huddersfield before. And, uh, anybody who's been there certainly know. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, yeah, but it's not a place on its uppers. But no... Uh, to come back to your point and to stop my comedy, I think that <laughs> there is a player in there. Somewhere. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. I think that I've, yeah, well, I've always said it. I said it when I was on other podcasts as well. That you look at his goals and the goals he scored, he, he'd pick up the ball, beat a couple of players, and fire it in from the edge of the box. Yeah. So there was a problem with consistency. There was a problem with injuries. Never kind of built it. If there was any momentum... He'd let it go, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Well, he'd get injured or he'd get dropped or somebody else would come into the side. There's definitely a player in there. I think to get a two-year contract with an option for a third year, he must have Titus Bramble's agent who made him a multi-multi-millionaire on the back of very little talent at all. Uh, it just sums up modern football. I'm confident this isn't going to be one that's going to come back and bite us in the bum, although I could be wrong. Could be wrong there. He seemed to turn it on against Luton for some reason. Yeah, um, but, it, but it was always in sporadic bursts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't leave us in any with any kind of mutual sense of hostility. So um, he may come back to haunt us. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I wish him well. I liked Conor Mahoney. I, I agree with everything you said. I think that he clearly has talent. Um, managers don't tend to like players that don't deliver week in, week out. And I think that's his that's his problem. I don't know how he solves that, where he goes with it in his in his head. But he's got he's got all of the right elements he's just got the right notes he's got to start playing them in the right order to to, to make it but i wish him well at, at huddersfield not against us of course also quite interesting to note that huddersfield's new manager is danny schofield 
Yeah, there's a name that popped up. Yeah, um, our Danny, the, um, which is interesting. I, he's clearly making it in the coaching world. Um, and as ever, one man's sacking is another man's opportunity in the world of football. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Achtung, Mehlball. Just to, to, to really close us out, I'm just looking at the training ground application. Now, I don't know if you've seen this on the, the official site. This is the planning application the club have made to relocate the training ground down to West Kingsdown, which is um, borderlands of Seven Oaks and, and kind of uh, south of Dartford, near Brands Hatch, actually. It's quite close to the racing circuit down there. Um, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm going to leave aside the, the rights and wrongs of the training ground at Calmont road versus this but it's a it's a pretty big relocation they're talking about offices down there at the club almost the club operation itself including the training facilities um the, the community trust everything is going to be relocated to this place on the edge of brands hatch just on the other side of the m25 junction there um no talk of course of the stadium going in fact the planning application makes the point that no fans and no uh, the public and the fans won't be anywhere near it. Um, but it's just an interesting relocation. I, I do wonder um, whether the club have in mind a long-term relocation away from Bermondsey. I, I think that would be a heart-rending thing if they decided to do that um, in search of new new markets, which I think must be kicking around um, the, the heads of the businessmen that run the football club. Because uh, it's a pretty big relocation when you read through the the application. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but it's it, it's lock, not quite lock, stock and barrel, but it's it's a lot of um, lot of offices and and day by day operational stuff going down now. Matt, I'd like to think that this is part of a vision for Millwall that we need our own training facility because let's be honest, the current training ground I think is owned by one of the universities. Is the Savary sold it, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he sold it to Oxford University. Or yeah. yeah. And let's face it, we're probably pretty restricted as to what we can do down there. 
I think it's uh, basic, yeah. Yeah, you do need proper facilities now. It's no good just having a training, uh, a few dressing rooms, a gym. You need hydrotherapy pools. You need all kinds of stuff, don't you? You need proper sports science gyms and yeah, proper training multi multi pitches, all sorts of things. I mean, it's all in the on the on the website if anyone wants to look at it. It does look like the modern idea of a training complex when you see the Premier League sides, when you see you know uh, coverage from their training ground. It looks like that, so that's that's showing good ambition. Um, I I would like to think it's not the start of a move, but but you never but you can never say never, can you? If this, I've always thought at the back of my mind with. Uh, what with the fight for the den and that uh, mm. the location of the ground that it's not it's great to be in London but you're kind of hampered as to what you can do and if you can get a fresh site that seemed but but for me that would be the death of Millwall. Well, it would it would be for me um, and I know I mean I've, I've had a few messages from fans I won't I won't read them out here but. The, the, when this stuff appeared on the website, and you, you can it's a, an actual planning application. So these follow standard formats, listeners, and you have to stress the benefits to the locality where, wherever you're doing. You have to there's, there's things you have to stress for the the council to agree it. So there's a kind of a community benefit section, that, and they're pretty much stressing the uh, the good things that will come to Seven Oaks and Dartford and, and the area around there from from the, the consequence of this um, of this development. Um, and in the end, I mean, I agree. I, I think it would be a heartbreaking thing if it ever came to that. But I suppose, like any any sports enterprise, Neil, you've got to go where you think your audience is. And Berman's is changing, isn't it? Um, I was I was looking at Canada Water. Um, they're talking about changing that, like they did with Kings Cross, which once upon a time, younger listeners might be intrigued to know was an awful area. It was it was crime ridden. Drug ridden, prostitution ridden, and now it's Gen- swish, gentrified. <laughs> swish as swish can be. Well, they're talking about doing a similar kind of thing. Not that Canada Water is is, is anywhere near the um, that that level that I've just mentioned there. But you know, the, the area is changing. Once South Burma's changes, you know, do we fit into that? I, I don't know. Um, I can see the logic of it. It's, yeah, it's interesting, but. It would kill it for me. It's bad enough trying to get to bloody Millwall. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the travelling down to these these parts is not not easy. And for... club that's ever moved, I'm thinking of MK Dons. Are they actually any better off than they are? They've got a nice shiny, or well, they had a nice shiny stadium. It's probably getting older now. They always had an upper tier that never got used, didn't they? I don't think they put any seats up there because it wasn't people to fill it, you know. And then they put seats in there for the Rugby Union World Cup when they hosted some games. That's in, right, yeah. In, but has that done them any good? No, I don't think it has. There's a there's a significant... Yeah, well, anywhere in London, well, without getting into too much for history, in East London, everybody mm. kind of... Your traditional East Londoners moved out to... Essex. Essex hinterlands, yeah. Yeah. From South East London they kind of went out 
to Kent, didn't they? And well, to these areas, I think that's that's where the, the thinking goes that they're, they're out in the Medway, they're out in the, the Bexley Heaths and the Dartfords and the Bromleys and all that kind of thing, you know. The club point to a significant number of our fans will have postcodes in those areas, yeah. But are we going to attract fans? It, it, it's a big gamble if we were to move. And well, we saw what happened with the fight for the den, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That once you mobilize Millwall fans and you get people behind it, it, it it's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's it's a big, big thing. I, I really hope we don't leave the Bermondsey area, is you know, I'm, I'm not sentimental, um. I just think that you belong in certain places and the Mill Football Club belongs to that area. And, you know, if the, the idea of relocation to to um, Dartford or to, to West Kingsdown or to Brands Hatch, wherever you want to call it, has a superficial logic, but a, a fundamental um, fundamental loss of identity that I think would be disastrous for us. Um, no, and I, yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I agree with every word you say. I think in sport they want to sanitise things now, and I and I that there's a school of thought that moving there they would maybe sanitise Millwall to a certain extent. I know it sounds a yeah, plenty have tried that over the years, Neil, haven't they? As we've found yeah. during our history shows, yeah, and it's never worked. It's never so. worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that we, yeah, but I think we're probably getting a bit ahead of ourselves. But it would be, but it would be a miss of us not to, to float the idea because well, it's on the website. Um, there's no no hint. Let me let me finish by saying this: there's no hint that that's the aim. Um, but it is a substantial relocation of the club's day by day running and sporting facilities to West Kingsdown. No end of a stadium move, um, and I hope there never will be. Let's let's leave it there, maybe in there for now, because I think otherwise we'll um, we'll be going around in circles on it. But uh, yeah, we'll probably be sending everybody into meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thank you to Neil Fisler for dropping everything and doing this impromptu show. Um, appreciate it, mate. Thanks for, for taking time. Yeah, no problem at all. I was only writing a rugby column, and uh, funnily enough, I've, I. I phoned a former England coach and he phoned me back and he says, it's never good news when I hear when I see all the pop up on my phone. It's never good news when you get an impromptu actong either. I think it might be, we might be developing a similar reputation, but there we are. We wanted to, wanted to mark the passing of Phil Walker and um, hopefully we've done, done that properly today. Big thank you, Neil. Thank, thank you to you too, dear listeners. We'll be back very, very soon. Another edition of Act on the Wall. You're listening to Act on the Wall. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.